0: Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We are indebted to you with our very lives. And we pray that you will help us to to understand what it means for you to love us and to call us and to be your people. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. There are days when I wonder if my life and ministry make any difference in this world. Days when you, you just wonder if you go through all the work and you do all the things and if it's really changing anything. I wonder if you ever feel that way. I suspect we all do at some time or another We get overwhelmed with the things of life. We live in a world in which the, the people who seem to be able to bring about change are the people who have the wealth and the power, the fame, influence. And we go through our lives and we make our decisions and we do what we do and we wonder if it's making any difference. Few moments ago, we all prayed together, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you ever wonder if our presence, our effort, our involvement, our lives is doing anything to make that prayer a reality? That we are making any difference For bringing the kingdom and the purposes of God on earth and heaven and earth. We're not the first people to wonder about our impact on the world. We're not the first people to feel discouraged about what seems to be how little we are accomplishing about how minimal our impact we are making, about how insignificant we might feel in the overall scheme of life among people who really don't have all that much interest in God or His kingdom. It's an issue that God's people have been wrestling with through the centuries. And that includes the Jews who come back to Jerusalem from exile and are attempting to rebuild the temple and the city. These folks who have been in exile for 70 years and begin making their way back to Jerusalem have great hopes and dreams for this project. They come back optimistic about what they're going to do and they make some progress. And then the work begins to slow to a crawl by the end of the 5th century. And they begin to, to wonder What they're doing and why they're doing it. And it feels as though the opposition is just as strong as it was when they started. And their discouragement is leading them not only to to think negative thoughts about people out there, but about each other. And they're fighting with each other and the work has just stopped. It's to that situation that the writer of Chronicles pens this whole account... And he writes to them to help them understand that God is the king, that God is in control, and that being a citizen in God's kingdom is always the right thing, despite what it may look like all around us. And a part of the message that the writer of Chronicles gives to these people is found in chapters 11 and 12. We read selections of that a little bit ago. And what you find in chapters 11 and 12, once again, are lists of names. You know, we've already gone through those first nine chapters and good grief, how many hundreds of names can they talk about? And now, once again, names. And we read these names and we think, well, that's nice, a few little stories, but we scratch our heads and think, what difference does that make? And there is something in there's something in these names, something in these people that the writer of chronicles believes will bring encouragement to the discouraged and hope to the despairing and inspiration to the apathetic, both years and years ago and even today there's something in here about about taking on the call and the privilege of being God's people who bring about God's purposes on earth as they are in heaven. This 11th chapter begins with, with uh, David becoming king and being established as king. This is something God has, has designed for many years. He called Samuel to, to uh, go to David to anoint him king. And then years later, after David goes through a whole lot of experiences, now Saul is dead And David is the king. And all the people come and rally around him. And they proclaim that David is king. And in this story, we see that God's purpose, his immediate purpose for Israel, is to establish David as the king. And everything about this story is helping them to do that. But the story really isn't about David. It's about all these other people. And you and I, as followers of Christ, are called to to help bring about the kingdom, not of King David, but of his ancestor, Jesus Christ. We're about the kingdom of Christ and bringing about the kingdom of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. And remembering that we are children of the king, how that changes how we live. And in these kingdom heroes are people who who live to accomplish the purposes of God on earth as they are in heaven. And for them, it's establishing David's kingdom as God's representative to the Israelites and to all people. And for us, it's establishing Christ's reign and kingdom to the church and to the world. And as I read through this passage, I'm asking myself if that's what we're called to be. If this story is about the people, what does... What does it look like to be heroes in the kingdom of God? What does it look like to be the kind of people who are bringing about the kingdom of Christ on earth as it is in heaven? I think as you look through this story, one of the things you see is that these are people who, who are courageous, they're not afraid to take risks. 13 times in these chapters, we read about David's mighty men. From the opening verse of chapter 11, it's an account of people who are ready and willing to even risk their lives to establish God's purposes. Verse 22 says that they perform great exploits. And we read about a number of them through here. About three guys who, who sneak through the Philistine lines just to bring David water. And this this man, Benaiah, is singled out as he... As he takes down a seven and a half foot Egyptian who's got a spear that looks like a ship's boom. And this guy's got some guts and he's not afraid of anything. In fact, he's looking for a battle. Because not only is he looking to attack this Egyptian, but he sees a lion down in the pit and jumps down and takes him out. He's, these are this kind of courageous, risky people. They're not, they're not afraid to step forward and to do the things that need to be done to establish David's kingdom. I wonder if if we possess the same spirit. That same willingness where we're not just ready for, ready to say, okay, I'll do maybe what God calls me to do, but we're actually looking for opportunities to take steps of risk and to act courageously. Uh, many times where Courage is not my initial response. It's fear. It's anxiety. I want to run. Maybe it is for you too. God's calling us to be risk takers who are courageous for his purposes and his kingdom. I saw an interview this week uh, on Wolf Blitzer on CNN. He was interviewing uh, Ryan Wilson who uh, plays Dwight Schrute on the TV show The Office. Some of you may have seen that. And it's it's one of those odd things to to quote, but he made an interesting statement in the course of a lot of humorous things he said. They were talking about the top ten CNN heroes and trying to figure out how you would judge which of these heroes is greater than another one. And he made this statement, these are people who see something wrong around them and instead of whining about it, they take action, they do something. In a far greater sense, God is calling his people... To when we see things around us, when we see needs, we see people burdened, we see circumstances, we do something about it. And the risk for us may not be our lives. The risk for us might be our reputation. It might be some of our possessions. People might misunderstand us. It might mean we're inconvenienced. But citizens of the kingdom, heroes of God's kingdom, are willing and ready to risk And life is going to be filled with all kinds of spiritual moments when the enemy and other people will say to us, you can't do that. That's way too much for you. There's no way you could ever do anything about that. But we get involved anyway. David comes to Jerusalem and the citizens say, you can't come in here. And I love the way the pastor says, and David went anyway. Say what you want. I'm coming in. And there's something of that kind of spirit that God's looking for in his people to bring about the purposes of God on earth as they are in heaven. I wonder sometimes if the reason we aren't seeing God do things and accomplish things in us and for us and with us is maybe it's because fear is ruling us instead of courage. But there's also the spirit of humility that I see in, in the folks who are talked about here. We tend to think of superheroes as people who do things beyond normal. You know, I say the word superhero and, you know, it comes to your mind. Superman, Iron Man, Batgirl. Maybe for some of us have been back a ways, the Green Hornet. Uh, you know, we think of people who have extraordinary powers and do extraordinary things that regular human beings can't do. And there is something of that in this ability to risk and and face obstacles. But sometimes the most courageous acts we can make are not great things. They're small things. And citizens of the kingdom, people who, who God calls heroes, are people who have come to see that in the kingdom of God, no task is too small. No task is too insignificant. No task is too unimportant. It's hard for us because recognition comes to people who do great tasks. And we like recognition. And we tend to not think that much about the small things. But the reality is we're faced every day with small tasks. And heroes come to them, grab them, and get involved with them. Because we're not thinking about recognition. We're simply thinking about doing the thing God is leading us to do. The last verses of this account talk about soldiers Soldiers spending their, their three days in Hebrew and feasting. Some people said to me, it sounds like the first church potluck. And it does, doesn't it, when you read through that? Everybody's bringing in food from all over the place. And, you know, the table's set up everywhere. You know, the, you know there's a lot of potato salad and fried chicken out there. And, you know, they're, they're all getting together. But what intrigues me about that is the warriors eat for three days and then go fight. How would they fight if they didn't have food to eat? How are they going to fight if nobody makes the food? And it strikes me that in the kingdom of God, the people who cook and serve and carry in tables and set up things are just as heroic as the guys who are out throwing uh, rocks and spears and wielding swords. Because the kingdom of God is about being willing to do whatever task comes before us. That spirit of humility. I was thinking about if we were to write something of a a litany of the heroes of our congregation. And thinking about things that people do. What might that look like? What might that sound like? And I wonder if it might be something like this. He changed 12 diapers on one Sunday in the nursery. She tamed an entire class of active three-year-olds. He spent 10 hours preparing that Sunday school lesson. She went an entire, to an entire season of events in order to support the women in her class. He sat for four hours every month in committee meetings. She cataloged that big bag of books that people donated to the church library. He came in and changed the whiteboards every two or three days in the prayer room. They spent hours every week stuffing inserts into the bulletins. She delivered meals to to shut-ins a couple of times every month. He gave up his Wednesday night with friends so he could come down and teach our boys about Jesus. And on and on the list could go. That's heroic stuff. We don't always think that it is, but it is in the kingdom of God, because it's things that are bringing about the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And humility is proven by our willingness to do God's work, whether we receive any recognition or not. Chapter eleven talks about Abishai, and he's one of the he's a, he's done some great things. But it, it intrigues me that it says he doesn't get the place of honor that some of the other warriors do. But it doesn't stop him from doing what he's called to do. There is no task too small for heroes in the kingdom of God. And I wonder, is it possible that we aren't yet the people that God wants us to be because we're, we're shying away from tasks that, that we think might be too small or too unimportant or too insignificant to bring about the purposes of God on earth as they are in heaven. There is no such thing. But there is also in this list of names and in these stories, a sense of unity. A unity around the purpose of making David king. These are not so much a list of names, in my opinion, as they are a group of people coming together to accomplish God's purpose. And they cross all kinds of significant lines to do this. The Gadites come from the southeast, and and the the tribes of Naphtali and Asher... And Issachar come from way up north. You've got the Benjamites who are interesting because that's Saul's tribe. And and there may well be some of the guys who are coming out of that group who have been a part of Saul's people who have been chasing David all over the countryside, trying to kill him. It's It's been ingrained in them, David's the enemy. They've been indoctrinated to believe that David is evil. But now they're beginning to see... That David is really fulfilling God's purpose. And they say, we want to get on board. And they put aside their differences and their troubles because of the larger good of God's purpose. The men of Zebulun are described as people who helped David with undivided loyalty. That chapter 12 verse 38 summarizes it. it says, all the rest of the Israelites were also of one mind to make David king. It doesn't matter the tribe or any of the differences that might divide them. When the purposes of God are at stake, they join together to make God's plan a reality. That's what kingdom heroes do. Because the kingdom is not centered around our agenda. It's centered around God's. And that means that some of the things that we think are so important get sacrificed for the higher and greater good of accomplishing the purpose of the king on earth as it is in heaven. When our goal is the fulfillment of God's purpose, then differences get pushed aside and peripheral things get put where they ought to be on the periphery. And we focus our attention and our energy on God's purpose. Unfortunately, for Christians, too often our motto through the centuries has been divide and conquer. And we can divide about anything theology, denominations. Philosophy, ecclesiology, exotology, you name it, we can find a way to divide ourselves about it. And sometimes the divisions are appropriate. There are times where we're talking about issues of orthodoxy. And we draw a line, and that's appropriate. David doesn't invite the Philistines to join the kingdom. because It's not because they just have some differences they can't resolve. It's because for them, Yahweh is not the king. They don't worship Yahweh. And that makes the difference. And if there are times where we have to decide this person doesn't worship Christ, they cannot say Jesus is Lord. Okay, that's one thing. But most of our divisions are not about that stuff. Most of our divisions are about the things that, are, that, that we think are most important. And they get in the way of God's central purpose. Paul tells the Galatians that all that divides us, it's erased in Christ. In our unity of purpose for the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I sometimes wonder if maybe one of the reasons so many people have a hard time understanding the church and and being open to Christ and the message of the church, maybe it's because we aren't really sending them the clear message of the gospel. We want to talk to them about peripheral things instead of the central focus thing, Jesus Christ. We cannot bring about God's God's purpose on earth as it is in heaven on our own. It's only as we come together, that's what the church is about. But if we're more concerned about protecting our territory or our doctrine or our positions about any any of these issues... If we're more concerned about those things than the greater purpose of God, then no wonder people don't really take us all that seriously. If we can't put aside our differences for the larger purpose of God's kingdom, why would anyone think that God's purposes are any different from anybody else's purposes? Is there divisiveness in our hearts? An unwillingness to put aside non-essentials? To put aside peripheral issues in order to unite with one another for the purpose of bringing about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. But ultimately, the thing that really defines these people is that they are trusting in God. There is an underlying reliance on, on God throughout all of these, both of these chapters and everything that's said here. They've developed their abilities. They're willing to join together to use them. But every victory is about God. Chapter 11, verse 9 says, David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. Verse 14, the Lord brought brought about a great victory. Amosai tells David that his success is sure, for your God will help you and most of these stories are the kind they are against all odds kinds of stories they shouldn't be winning any of these battles but they do because god is with them and they are willing to risk and give and come together because god is at the center of it they know that god is with them they know that god is the real power in anything they accomplish and when you think about it, taking the great risks that they do, it really isn't a risk because they're simply entrusting themselves to God Almighty who wins everything anyway. The book Red Moon Rising, which I highly recommend to you, it's by Pete Gregg and it was the book that, that really captured my heart as to move forward for our prayer vigil last year. And in this book, Red Moon Rising, he tells a story about coming to uh, a new church, a new gathering uh, of young people, and and how God was working in his heart as he was beginning to work with them. But I was intrigued by how he described this congregation. He put it this way, Revelation Church had begun in the 80s when a load of long-haired heavy metal freaks became Christians. He said many of them had been involved in the occult. And so with all the naivete of new Christians they simply assumed that God was more powerful than the devil and instinctively began praying for the sick casting out demons and yelling in tongues and amazing things happened. And I wonder if maybe we've lost some of that simple faith that just assumes God's more powerful than the devil, so let's go do some stuff. Let's pray. Let's risk. Let's be courageous. Let's do whatever we need to do. Because God's the king. And ultimately, heroes of God do heroic things because they believe that God can be trusted. And they do. And there is a simple faith of just taking God at His word, relying on God to be present and to do whatever He has promised to do. And is it possible that we're not seeing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven because we're hesitant to trust God fully and simply? I love the fact that the end, when all this is done, what you what you sense is joy. In fact, The last words of chapter 40 are, there was joy in Israel. And there's joy in Israel because they are focused and concerned and living for the purpose of God on earth as it is in heaven. And when we do that, joy always comes. Joy is the natural result of putting the purpose of God first. First. And in courage and humility and in united spirit and trusting in God, we find joy. It's what Jesus says to his disciples in John 15 where he says, Everything I've told you and all of this is about is to make your joy complete. And that's what God wants for us. And that's what God will give us as we come together in courage and humility, trusting him. And letting Him do in us and through us whatever He wants to do to bring His purpose on earth as it is in heaven. You might have noticed this chair sitting over here. It's, um, it symbolizes a throne. And I put it here, and it's going to stay here throughout this fall as we're going through First Chronicles, to remind us that God is the King and that He sits on the throne. And everything that we are is about that. The Chronicles also talks to us about our part and what it means to be citizens as part of God's kingdom. And each week, as we talk about things, I'm going to put something either around, or on, or near this throne to remind us. This tree reminds us of the first nine chapters. We were looking at the genealogies and all of those names. And it reminds us that we aren't the tree, we're just one of the branches. But we're part of something bigger and greater than we often realize. That this has been going on for a long, long time and it's going to continue going on and we're a part of it. And we're connected to God's people through the centuries, through the ages, and around the world. This heart pillow reminds us of Last week in talking about chapter 10 and the life of Saul. And we were reminded that in the kingdom of God, citizens' hearts are turned to God. We might not be perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be able to do everything we want to do. We're going to fail. We're going to falter. But our hearts are turned. Our lives are turned toward God. And he's our focus. And today, I brought a cape. That's a cape off of a Roman soldier's uniform. And I think, pretty sure, they were the heroes of first century. But it also reminds us of one of the the identifying characteristics of a lot of our cartoon superheroes. A lot of them were capes. And I'm going to place this over this chair to remind us that in the kingdom of God, we can be heroes. God's calling us to be heroes who are courageous and humble as we band together in the power of the Spirit to bring about God's purpose on earth as it is in heaven. Today is a Sunday where we we commission our ministry volunteers. It seems appropriate to do it today, and uh, I've we're going to ask those of you who are involved in ministry to stand. And we put on the screen, uh, hopefully, all if not most of the ministries. I know at first service I missed a couple, so we we fixed that. And if we miss some, I apologize to you, but. We want to make it clear that everybody who's doing anything of ministry in the church is a part of this. And so if you're involved with youth or children or college students, you work with adults, you work at the nursing home, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening programs, music, small groups, Bible studies, prayer groups. You work with senior citizens. You serve on committees. You usher, greeter, work in the kitchen, the library, whatever the case may be. You work with the lay shepherds. Nursery, children's church, preschool. If you're thinking to yourself, I'm not sure, you probably are, so we want you to stand up. So everybody who's involved in a ministry of the church, please stand, and we want to pray for you. That's awesome. Our goal is that everything we do as a congregation is intended to bring about the purpose of God on earth as it is in heaven to make us more committed disciples of Christ and to make us people who love this world for Christ more and more every day. It's a huge task, but it's one that we enter into together courageously and humbly in unity in the power of the Holy Spirit. As a congregation, we want to thank every one of you for your service and your ministry in this church. And we want to pray for you. Lord, we want to thank you for all who stand before us today. We know that you are pleased with their acts of courage, their humble spirit, and unity of heart, and most of all, their reliance and trust on you. Bless them with grace and strength for all that comes to them. Let them see the fruit of their service to you, and to us and to others. Fill them with joy in their service, and may that joy be contagious to all of us as as we inspire one another In every ministry of your kingdom. Be glorified in our lives. And in our ministry. As we work together. To bring about your kingdom purpose on earth. As it is in heaven. Amen.